Hiya folks, this is Film Query, the queer experience of the media you love. I'm Indy and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Chloe and my pronouns are she, her. And this week we have a special thing going on. It's a part one of two uh, episode Halloween special. And for our spooky special, we'll be looking at the Fear Street trilogy, which came out earlier this year. It's based on a series of books that R.L. Stein, the writer of Goosebumps, wrote in the 90s. And it's basically like Goosebumps, but people die, pretty much. Yeah, that's a, yeah, people die and there's gay people now. So, yeah. What more could you ask for? Yeah, apparently in the original books, there wasn't any gay people. But yes. but everyone thought they were gay anyway. Like, everyone was like, these, these characters feel gay. So, mm-hmm. so um, basically, the first film is takes place in 1994. And after a, brutal, a series of brutal murders, a teen, Dina, and her friends, which include her little brother, Josh, her ex-girlfriend, Sam her friend Kate and Kate's boyfriend uh, try to take on an evil force that's plagued their notorious town for centuries. Um, so yeah, pretty much it's a slasher movie, but like modern, I would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It's, um, it's not honestly uh, my usual type of film that I'd watch, but I was actually quite um, impressed, and I did actually enjoy it a bit more than I thought I would. So um, yeah, it, it might be good. It's, I'd recommend it if you want to have like ease into the whole slasher um, genre. To be honest, yeah, because sometimes slashers can be a bit much to deal with. Yeah, um, um, and it was yeah. nice because it had relatable characters. It was a slasher, but it had relatable characters in. So if you want kind of it's not a good film, but you know, if you want that extra um, layer to it, it's good for that too. Yeah, I mean, horror films, specifically horror comedies, which I think this comes under, um, but I'm not sure, are my bread and butter. So, like, I love kind of horror movies with a comedic twist. I don't know. Maybe it's my early teenage edgy phase. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, there was uh, two queer characters uh, that we know of in the first film, which was quite good because one was your kind of grungy emo girl who was angry at her now ex-girlfriend who was like the kind of sunny cheerleader type because she moved to the more affluent town. And there's a big divide between Sunnyside, the affluent town, and Shadyside, the the kind of working class town. And most of the people who live in Shadyside are either people of colour, queer, or, you know, working class. I like that the relationship, although it had its ups and downs because you see them fight and make up, it didn't feel, like, fetishised because a lot of the time when you're watching media with specifically... Uh, lesbians or you know two uh-huh, two kind of feminine presenting characters yeah. in a relationship um, a lot of the time that's very fetishized and sexualized um, and it's quite uncomfy but for this they didn't actually do that which was quite nice it, it to me it felt like the only difference between them like the, um, the queer couple in Fair Street and um couples like straight couples was literally the gender where usually it feels like there's a 
chasm between those two things in um, films sometimes. So it was treated pretty respectfully and just like a normal relationship. No, not 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 like a heterosexual relationship, but between two girls, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like um, there was no weird fetish scene. Um, they communicated really well. Like, and you can tell they genuinely um, love each other. Yeah. Also, it kind of turned the buddy your gaze trope on its head a bit, like just for now, because it happens later on in the trilogy. But for those who don't know, buddy your gaze is a trope in TV, media, books, you know, whatever, where one or two of the queer characters in a relationship uh, die, and normally it's in a gratuitous manner or it's kind of played for. I don't know, it's very drawn out. I think gratuitous is the right the right word. Yeah. It's also they are like they tend to kill off a gay character, yet then a straight character will go through like a similar kind of struggle and come out magically alive. Um mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like they basically they die because they're gay. Like that's the the you know, not for story reasons, um, not because actors left or stuff like that. It's the we have to show that being gay is bad by very yeah if you're gay equals death apparently it doesn't of course it doesn't in real life but in media that's yeah if if you're in a slasher film and you're gay um i mean there's the trope with slasher films and if you're a person of color they die first Ah. um which sucks because that's just really shitty but Gay people have a kind of similar thing in movies where it's like, if you're gay, any genre of movie, if you're gay, you're probably going to kick the bucket at some point. Or have your loved one kick the bucket. Yeah, you can't be happy, basically, if you're gay in um, films. You will find a a struggle. Yeah. So So the kind of general themes of the movie are obviously, like, class, um, with, with the difference between the Sunnysiders and the Shadysiders. Sunnysiders are wee pricks, I'm not gonna lie. They're basically white privilege embodied as a whole town. Like, over the top about their wealth. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a word that I can't think of, but yeah, they they just love their excessive wealth and like, their houses are so much bigger and nicer and like, much more well-kept. But they're awful people. Like, at mm-hmm. least the Sunnysiders they seem quite nice for the most part. Yeah, they're, they're just like going just through it. Yeah, they're just literally going through it. They're just trying to get through the day. So for the plot, basically, there's this, um, the two towns blame this witch for like every couple of years, there's a mass murder from like, it's always a shady side perpetrator and shady side victims. Sunnysiders are never affected and you know the two towns blame this witch Sarah Fear hence the name Fear Street for these murders and there's someone gets murdered Amaya Hawk basically known for Stranger Things season three she gets murdered at the beginning of the movie and the the killer also dies and at this vigil for the people who have passed away you know, tensions come to a head and there's like a scrap between the Shady Siders and the Sunny Siders, which leads on to I know it seems very like 
Come on, get to the point, Chloe. It leads on to one of the Sunnysiders trying to run the bus with all of the Shadysiders off the road. And Dina goes to throw a water cooler onto the the car to make it stop. But then she realises that her ex-girlfriend's in the car. And she's like, oh, no, I can't do that. But then her nose starts bleeding. She drops the water cooler and... You know, the car goes crash into the forest. And that is when Sam, who, poor Sam, who's in the car, just trying to escape being stuck in an upside-down car, accidentally disturbs um, the witch's grave. And the witch then reanimates all the killers, she's had killers from the past, to come and kill Sam. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have to find a way to save Sam and stop the killers and... Yeah. yeah, the first movie is quite simple in terms of like, right, we need to save save Sam, stop the killers. Um, however, yeah, obviously it goes into more detail for the other parts, but as a kind of good setup film, mm-hmm. it's quite good at introducing the kind of main players and the world. But also, Kate, Dina's friend, deserved way better. Like, she was just trying to get the hell out of Dodge you know, selling their drugs so she can make money to go to college and have a better life for herself. But no, head through the ble- the bread slicer. Like, that's got to be... Uh, uh. That's probably one of the worst ways to go. Because, like, yeah. you'd be alive for the... Like, you know, you'd still be alive for part of it because, obviously, it's got to get through your skull. So. Yeah, I mean, you're actually in the clip piece here, like, screaming... And yeah, her head's starting to go through, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, oh, it's painful. Yeah, I can't look at a bread slicer the same way ever again now. <laughs> That's me traumatized for life. I've never seen a bread slicer before, so <laughs> I was just like, oh, "Neither have I." I. <laughs> <laughs> Neither have I. I've never seen one either. And now we can never look at one again. Now we're just gonna be like, "Oh, poor Kate, avert your eyes." Like, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so basically they, they kind of turn the very gate rope on its head for now because they have to, they, f- they realise to save Sam, they have to kill Sam and start a heart again with adrenaline a la Pulp Fiction. Um, so they do kill Sam, poor Sam, you know, she was just trying to have a better life for herself, I guess. And she was ready to sacrifice herself at one point. She was quite a... Um... A team player. Yeah, she was a team player. She was, she was brave. She just wanted... I think she just wanted to stop by the end of it. I don't really blame her, because they'd been going for hours at this point, you know, running from place to place. Um, but she was quite noble. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, she did have to briefly die. Um, yeah. It sounds like, you, like we're saying it in the same tone as, oh, yeah, I just have to pop to the shops to get some milk. Oh, yeah, you know, she just had to kind of die. <laughs> she didn't have to die though but it kind of works but as we see um it doesn't work it doesn't work as much much as we thought because now sam's possessed by the witch mm-hmm. and uh we take her to i say we <laughs> the protagonist dina and her brother uh, josh take her to see berman who is one of the only other people to have survived a massacre like this yeah a situation like this and that's where the first film um ends Ends. but then the second film picks up from there straight away Um, yeah 
Okay, so we pick up at part two, which is the second film called Fear Street, 1978. Basically, it's the same kind of premise where, you know, teens, killers, but instead of, you know, like a regular sleepy town, it's a summer camp, which is quite cool. Um, no Friday the 13th references here, guys. <laughs> so basically, C. Berman tells Dina and Josh how she was able to survive the Camp Camp Nightwing uh, incident of 1978. And there's this whole big twist where you think that because it goes into like a, a, a flashback and the whole movie, the rest of the movie is in a flashback, but you think that Cindy is the C. Berman, but actually it's uh, Ziggy who's played by um, Sadie Sink from Stranger yeah. Things. That's not the only thing they borrow um, from Stranger Things. It, despite being set in 1978, it definitely feels um, like an 80s film, and the music as well is kind of right on that cusp of 70s or 80s. Like someone could tell you, either these songs either came out in the 70s or 80s, and you'd believe them. You yeah. know, if this was the 70s, no one was so 80s. So yeah. Um, I can't, there's no one else from Stranger Things, is there? but there's definitely that vibe, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the mall that they, they're running around in for kind of part one and part three, um, I think that looks very much like the Starcourt Mall from Stranger Things, but we won't say anything about that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We'll keep your secret, Netflix, for now. Yeah. yeah, it's the same kind of premise as the first one, like as I said before, only it's set in summer camp. But the difference is they, we find out a wee bit more about the witch and about the curse. So basically, Cindy's boyfriend, Tom Tommy, gets attacked by uh, the camp nurse. At the start, they think, you know, it's just her going, like, crazy. But in actuality, it's because the nurse saw Tommy's name scratched on this wall. Like, when you go into the witch's kind of lair or den or whatever, there's all these names scratched onto these stone pillars and it's all of the previous Shady Side killers, which obviously disturbs the hell out of Alice and Cindy and Alice's boyfriend who doesn't live for much longer, so I can't be bothered Googling his name. Uh, is all I can remember. I can't say yeah. anything else because, the, yeah, he uh, gets a hatchet to the head pretty, um, pretty short. Pretty rough. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of Alice and her boyfriend, Alice is actually played by an actor who's um, non-binary in real life, uh, Ryan Simpkins. Um, mm -hmm. As a non-binary person, I thought this was a pretty, I thought it was pretty cool to kind of show that non-binary people can play um, gendered roles and still be non-binary. You know, it doesn't really. Um, affects it doesn't really affect them as much as I think people think it does and it's always nice to see um even if not like explicit rep in the film you know it's nice to see non-binary actors get those opportunities um that normally yeah actors. I mean we've seen more and more of that recently with obviously like Alice in this movie but also 
at least from the top of my head, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, um, one of the characters is played by a non-binary oh. actor. Lachlan Watson. Ah. <laughs> Lachlan Watson um, plays a gendered role in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and a lot of their character development is um, about being uh, not cisgender, uh, which is quite good. Uh, and they kind of pride themselves on that diversity, which, um, I mean, they could do more, but maybe we'll do an episode of Sabrina in the future and I can talk yeah. about that in more detail. Um, meanwhile, while all of this murder and stuff is happening, Ziggy and Nick, who's actually the sheriff from the first film, uh, they have a bit of a wee relationship because they team up to prank the mean, mean girl. Yeah, yeah, Sheila. She's even got a mean name. Um, oh, Sheila. Yeah, they drop bugs on her head in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Which ends up, they end up having a full-on scrap. Toilet is the worst place to have a scrap because you just know it's going to smell bad. And if, if your head gets dunked down a toilet, I don't even know if it's possible with portaloos and camp toilets, but, you know, anything's possible with portaloos. Like, if you ever seen teenage girls fight, they definitely find a way to put your head into that toilet. Yeah, you just know your head's going to smell awful for the rest of the month. It's really cramped. You wouldn't have any room to swing. Your punches would be so weak. Like, mm-hmm. you know. like eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, fight smarter, not harder. You, like, drag her out of the toilet and then start waving on That's what we should have done. Mm. Like, rather punch her in the cubicle. What's that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enough <laughs> about Fight Club for teenage girls. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, and basically, Alice goes into kind of her story about because kind of the start of the film, you think she's a troublemaker who doesn't really want to contribute to society, but actually we see how badly she's been affected by um, being a shady sider, being you know working class. She's turned to drugs, alcohol partying and unfortunately self-harm um and we see her scars we don't actually see like her self-harming in the movie which is good i mean it's like the bare minimum but it's good yeah it's nice that they respect you know yeah yeah they learn they learn from 13 reasons why i wish wish that was true (laughs) yeah uh that that scene that i will not talk about any longer traumatised me. I was watching I've it and I was like, ooh! I've never seen it. I didn't notice that bad. I just know it's bad because I just find the whole concept quite offensive. Oh um, yeah, as hands down, it's an awful TV show. And book. Um, but Yes, it's not a good book. I read it briefly. Like, if I tried to and I was like, I can't deal with this woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if, you know, you're easily triggered by that sort of stuff please don't watch um 13 reasons why because it's awful and it will make you feel very very bad um anyway back to your street so yeah we see uh how alice has coped versus how cindy's coping and cindy like goes through it you know she yeah, sees having fun yeah like girls just want to have fun not her she's she not having fun. fun she's never allowed to have any fun if it's not her sister causing trouble, it's her boyfriend, you know, becoming a serial killer. If it's not that, it's like trying to make up with Alice. And then she's got like her family issues because like their dad's left. 
and she's mm-hmm. trying to get to college so she's working this camp and she's trying desperately to like become something so she doesn't have to deal with the label of shady cider forever yeah um, she's really sympathetic I'm I wish she kind she did she should have lived yeah she did deserve better I'm gonna say I was gonna say that maybe but no, she did deserve better um and obviously her death greatly affected um Ziggy because at the start of the film the amount of locks that woman was doing Mm-hmm. Like a never-ending series of locks like you can tell she's um traumatized from that yeah, like, yeah. i mean who wouldn't be in fairness but you it's very yeah. uh apparent it's quite sad in what, what i found really weird was see the bit where cindy and ziggy are like hit the tree and they're trying to find you know the put the witch's hand back with the body which is this whole plot point goes to kind of nothing because you find out the, the body isn't there um they get absolutely butchered at this tree, and it's a wonder how any of them survived, let alone one. Because with those injuries, oh my god, like they get torn apart. They get stabbed to bits. They get stabbed to bits, and then um, she's Ziggy is brought back to life via um, CPR, which is amazing because she was bleeding, and CPR doesn't do anything. Yeah. It um I'm not saying it wouldn't be helpful, but it wouldn't Yeah, you'd think it would that. do worse. Because if you're trying to start up the heart again, the heart pumps blood throughout the body, and if she's bleeding out, you don't yeah, want that. <laughs> it's not a good yeah, CPR on a butchered kind of butchered body probably isn't gonna it's like how even if she even if you did bring her back to life she's then got to get to somewhere to get help for her injuries mm-hmm. and they're in the middle of the woods at this point so yeah you know it's isn't it good for all his i guess well-meaning mm-hmm. intentions there did kind of defy yeah. science for a second mm-hmm. um to be honest there the relationship, I don't know if I touched on this before because my brain is foggy. Um, I don't think you have, so you're good to go. Ziggy and Nick's relationship uh, throughout the film not only felt a bit forced, but it was also kind of weird because of the age gap. It's maybe just because the actor for young Nick looked like a grown man. I Whereas, thought he was a lot old. I agree. I thought he was um, like a counsellor or something like that. He is a counsellor. Well, he is a counsellor. But it's well, like I... his first year of being a counsellor. Ah, right. That's right. It's because he didn't hang with the other one. Like, you're, oh, it's because he went after her. Do you know what I mean? He was mm-hmm. kind of, was obviously meant to be the link between, like, the council, you know, the counsellor's mm-hmm. higher up and the kid. But it still feels a bit weird that the, you kind of are getting it on with one of your kids who you're meant to counsel. Yeah, there's like a power abuse thing going on there. It's not, it's not, no bueno. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. Like, you know, what's it with it with these films that we do? And there's constantly a relationship that shouldn't be happening because of an age gap. Like, yeah, it's like, oof. it's, it's not good. But yeah, you, the actor was well tall. Like at least Sadie Sink looks like that age range, whereas mm-hmm. he, he most certainly did not. He looked really old. He looks like he pays taxes. Yeah, he he looks like he's the man who tells you what taxes you have to pay. If that means he like, you know, mm-hmm. you go to the HMRC 
and then he sat there and he's like, you've got okay all these taxes. Yeah. Where'd you go in Scotland? Um, it's it's still the HMRC. Is it <laughs> I was gonna say going in, it's like going into the job center for your universal credit appointment, and you see him dressed in a wee suit. All right, so and so, right? So this is what what you're doing for work. This is what you're doing for work. Well, I think you could improve your CV. Also, blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I would cry if he was my universal credit man because mine just wore a t-shirt so I'd be quite surprised if he was in a suit but speaking of it's he looks condescending that's why we think he looks like the universal credit people because they can be quite condescending they are um, yeah no, yeah they are. yeah they are. um yeah no so he just looks condescending and slightly evil I think yeah um but yeah, the relationship is super forced. Yeah, it's very. We need to put a straight relationship in here somewhere. Uh, shit, put these two together. <laughs> we've given you so much queer stuff, and we've got so much more queer stuff to come. But you're gonna have to deal with a little bit. Of yeah. And it's like we were. It's like you know we were this close to greatness. We could have had three fucking films with great queer characters, and we were robbed a little bit in the second one. Yeah. Make good. Yeah. Especially, when we, especially in the context of the second and uh, the third film, it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming to a close. Um, so thank you for listening and remember to tune in for the next episode of our little Halloween special where we'll be going over part three of the trilogy and just kind of our thoughts about the whole trilogy as, you know, a piece of media. Also tell your friends about us, you know, get them listening too because we are a baby podcast. And we're, we're trying really hard. Yeah, <laughs> we're just baby. We're trying so hard. Like, you know. Um, and actually, if um, there's any films you want us to do, let us know. You can contact us on um, Twitter. Twitter, Film Query. And we TikTok. have Instagram now. And TikTok, yeah. all with the same um, username, Film Query. So. Yeah. Uh, we also have an email address which I'll put on the Twitter if you don't feel comfy using either of those you can uh, pop us a wee email and we'll have a look into it but once again thank you for listening and hope you have a great week Bye.